Hello, I'm John Bates, and welcome to my podcast, Hope for Today, where I inspire to live with heavenly perspective and kingdom mindset. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, glad to have you today on Hope for Today, and I want to impart a lot of hope to you today that transfers over to faith. And I have some dear friends that I have known for quite some time, most of my life. Uh, I've known these people the majority of my life. This is Kim and Jeroy Carpenter. When I met Kim, she was Kim Burr. And when I met Jeroy, he was Jeroy Carpenter still. Yes, yes. Amazing. Uh, I was 18 when I met him, and I, I think I was about 26 when I met you, Kim, uh, at a church in Irving, Texas, uh, Calvary Temple. We worked, You were the yes. youth pastor. Yes. You were dating the youth pastor. <laughs> and I worked with you guys to work with the youth there and then to work with their worship program. And, uh, wow, life has moved on from there. It has. Now it has our been. kids are friends. Right. Good friends. Yeah, they are. It's Absolutely. really interesting. Yeah. Carly and Nehemiah are really close friends, and a counselor is one of his very best friends. And I know yeah. why, because she's from you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's always uh, always a joy to be with y'all. It's always easy to talk, and we mm-hmm. share so much history. Um, yes. And we're all three ministers' children. Right. That's yes. a different bond. Yes. Right. And yes. I like to think that. Our, our parents did a good job with us. They, they did. They say they did anyway. <laughs> Some think so, that's debatable. Why <laughs> Now, And Kim was a missionary. So tell right. us about that. So I grew up um, overseas. I was six months old when my parents embarked on taking the journey to Africa. And so we were there for three years in um, Liberia. Mm-hmm. After Liberia, they went to language school in Switzerland for three years. So my first schooling and everything was completely French schools mm-hmm. and then ended up in Central Africa where I grew up in Congo. Okay. So that was the So were you fluent in French first or English? Um, same, or? Simultaneous. Okay. I grew up and speaking. then you learned what other languages? Um, well, I, I don't speak it fluent anymore, but um, I spoke a lot of Lingala, just a tad bit and of that's, Swahili. That's what country? Lingala was in Congo. Okay. That so was. Congo, I know we come to you guys. Can you Greek Congo? Botinabino. Very good. What'd you say? I just said hello. Hello. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. So um, being raised as a minister's kid, as a missionary's kid, um, a lot of people think, wow, that's got to be fun. And it is fun. It's it's interesting. But it has its set of challenges. So I want to introduce a scripture today. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So I'm just going to talk about a part of my life that's been a part of their life that we've had to navigate because you're having to navigate something in your life that's unique. Everybody has something different that makes them special, that sets them apart. And being a preacher's kid is what we call it in this culture. Not everybody has that. You know, usually in a a church in our nation is at least about 100 people up to you know thousands of people, and there's one lead pastor, and then that lead pastor's children are called the preacher's kids. Mm-hmm. Is there a different standard for preacher's kids? Oh, yes. Yeah, and what is the standard? Is <laughs> it higher or lower? High, high regard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you experience that on the missions field? You know, I don't know that I did as much. I, I, I mean, of course, growing up on the mission field, that's all we knew. So everybody, mm-hmm. most everyone around us were missionary kids okay. or— um, some of our friends were there with the embassy. So, I, I mean, I just never 
felt that pressure. But when we moved to the States, I did see it. I saw it right away. Right. Um, just noticed, noticed some differences. And then to some of my friends that were PKs in the States, I could, I could see some of the pressure they felt. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, missionary children, but I, I have a lot of friends who are missionary kids. Um, their unique struggle is in and out of their cultures. Right. And, and especially coming back to the United States, it's such a set culture. Mm-hmm. How was that when you would gravitate in and out? Totally different. I mean, Africa was home. My heart still is tied to Africa, always will be. Um, but I think moving to the States, it you know, I was just about 15 years old and the culture is so different. So I grew up with no TV, no, um, there was no famous people in my life to, you know, to idol like teenagers, right. like I want to be like this person. Um, I didn't grow up with that pressure. Uh, so right away coming in, starting school movies, I didn't have movies that I grew up, you know, every, the, all the different movies that everybody right. was um, attached to. So I remember the first day of school, uh, the teacher asked us to pull out a piece of paper and just write a paragraph on The Wizard of Oz. Didn't have a clue. Had no clue what The Wizard of Oz was. So um, I wanted to, I didn't want everyone to know I was from Africa coming in. I just wanted to be, you know, a new kid, just blend in. Um, But of course, out of the ones that she started asking, hey, stand up and read your paragraph. And my heart started pounding. And I'm thinking, no way, don't pick me, don't pick me. Um, But she did. And so I just basically had to stand and, and read what I wrote, which was, I have no idea who he was, uh-huh. <laughs> who, wow. who he was or what it is, or um, I don't know anything about it because I've grown up overseas. I've never heard of the Wizard of Oz. And so then they were all intrigued and then everybody wanted to know. It became, a, that became kind of the turn in the right. classroom. Um, another classroom I went to, as they were calling the names, um, the kids were yelling, instead of here or present, they were saying chop. And everyone was saying chop, chop. And I thought, what is chop? What is chop? And then when they said Kim Burr, everybody fell out of their chairs. And, you know, I didn't know the the joke of the, you know, the um, lumberjacks right. and chop, chop and timber, or the, you know. <laughs> so I just was sitting there. like It was supposed to be funny. It was a way for them to make me feel welcome. But again, that culture gap, I felt very, you know, just I was the only one sitting in my desk looking around. It was just the oddest. To me, it wasn't, I mean, they meant well, but to me, I just felt more misplaced than ever. Now it's absolutely hilarious, you know, but um, just the transition, you know, at that age, um, kids were into completely different things than I was into. And um, so it was definitely an adjustment. Yeah. Couldn't wait to what, Do you think it was harder back. for you or your brother, Brian? Um. To be honest, I don't know. We both, we were so tight. We were so yeah. close. And I told a story recently. It's a, a local church here. It's really funny. I absolutely love this church. I love this pastor. Um, and I love so many people that attend the church. I won't mention who it is. But during that here. time, it, was, it wasn't here. Um, <laughs> Whatever it was, so, it wasn't. This church know, didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, missionary kids, they come home and they're quickly rushed to this field of itineration. Right. Every Sunday they're in a different church and they're they're sent to the youth section or the youth department. And they're going to, we've got MKs here. We're going to ask them about what it's like to live in Africa. And so, you know, here we come traping into the room and um, we walk into a, a youth room full of students that are laughing and loud. And so we walk into it, you know, I'm like, what's so funny? Like we're looking around, you know, so they, they, 
two of the kids kind of push seats up front for us to sit in. I go grab a seat and I'm in a dress and the seat collapses. And I mean, mm-hmm. I fall in front of everyone, dress flies up. And then we realize real quick, that's what everyone's laughing at. There's right. this broken chair that they've been putting in front of people. Well, instantly it made my brother really mad. He was trying to, you know, mad for me. So I remember him looking at me and we both, you know, started telling each other um, that we're going to lie about every, any question they ask, oh, we're just wow. going to make stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going to lie. And so when they were asking, did you guys live in mud huts? We're looking at each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you ride elephants to school? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. We lied about whatever. It was probably not the right thing to do. <laughs> so any of you MKs, don't do that. Um, but it's still one of the most humorous um, itineration stories we had uh, just because we just went along with it. And I don't know what those kids went home and told their parents, but I mean, well, that's the big difference in MKs and PKs. We never lied, did we? No. <laughs> we, were always we just told the lie. Yeah. We just lied. <laughs> we lived the lie. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So what was your, uh, I don't know, your experience of being a preacher's kid? You have two siblings, Kathy yes. and David. You're, yes. Yes. you're the middle. Yes. You're the oldest. That's I'm good the youngest. Parent. Oh, you're the, yeah, youngest. the youngest. I didn't know Brian was we're, older. Yeah, he's two years. We're okay. two years and three days apart. Okay. Yeah. So, what was your experience like as a preacher's kid? You know, I always enjoyed being a PK. Mm-hmm. Uh, never did I ever want attention. Of course, that's a lie too. Yeah. So I loved the attention of being a PK. Uh, we were raised in a smaller community, uh, mm-hmm. Jacksboro, and uh, the church it would probably average between 100, 150. So everybody knew you. You right. knew everybody. Everybody in town's kin. You know, it's it was when you're a pastor in that town, you're kind of an outsider coming right. to a small community, and uh, it's hard many times to break in small communities like that. But Dad was such a good, um, just a communicator, a good friend. Uh, he really, really got into the hearts of people. He was a pastor's pastor. I, mm-hmm. I just now I look back and I see what all he did right. and how he touched people's mm-hmm. lives. And, you know, I always every day just, man, I just want to be like that. Hmm. He is the greatest man I've ever known. And a lot of PKs can't say that, you right. know. But I remember as a PK, you know, we everybody in town was oil, oil field related, right. all the jobs. West and, Texas, nearly <clears throat> next. Yes, yeah. right out there toward Wichita Falls area <clears throat> and all that. And um, anyway, I mean, we could only mow the lawn, David and I, maybe every two weeks to get any kind of money or whatever. Mm-hmm. And. So there wasn't anything I couldn't like actually preach for him on Sundays and everything. So he he bought us a snow cone truck from my oh, uncle wow. and uh, Uncle McKinney. And Uncle Nathan brought this snow cone truck, said Uncle Ed snow cones. So we dad drove the truck. Kathy, she 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 pumped the, the you know, the snow cone juice in the snow cone. I grind, you know, and David and her, they all work together. We wound up making more money than anybody that oh, was because wow. they're all they're our friends work for their dads in the oil field. Dad took care of us like that. Mm-hmm. Dad always took us to the, uh, to the, to you know, to go out on vacations. He always took us to camp. Um, so my experience as a PK was a good experience. Yeah. Um, a lot of PKs aren't like that. Um, their dads maybe at times with their family they're so busy in the ministry, and I know they mean well, but sometimes family can be neglected at times. Right. But we never felt that way, and I think. Dad had many opportunities to go to larger communities, but he wanted to see his family in ministry. I was asked a question one year when I was at Calvary Temple. Betty, remember Betty? Mm-hmm. She yeah. asked me a question one time. She said, how is it that all three of y'all as PKs survived in our ministry, full-time ministry? 
And I thought I'd never been asked that question. I said, because dad cared for the family first. He Mm -hmm. took care of us first. And then with that, the church was blessed. And because of that, I saw the true real side of ministry. I didn't see a fake. I didn't see a behind the scenes because behind the scenes was the same thing as in front of the scene. You know, so that was really a, a neat combination. And it was kind of cool whenever Kim and I connected. Sometimes there's a rivalry between MKs and PKs, right. you know. Uh, but Kim and I, we really clicked off well. I, I was always intrigued with their stories, you know. Right. I tell people I missionary dated, seriously. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, for real. For and, real. And just the things that she would tell me. And as a kid, I experienced, if we would ever see a miracle in any of the churches, I remember it just, it was amazing because you never really saw that that much. Kim said one of the things that intrigued her the most when she came to the States is she was blown away when there would be a miracle happen in a church. And I said, why? Isn't that awesome? She goes, yes, it's awesome. But she said, we saw that all the all time. Probably the time. We did. I mean, it was common. Yeah. I guess it was, I guess the surprise that it was almost like the disbelief of Not here. Happening. It was like, yeah, like. Yeah. Like, they just can't believe it. But in Africa, they expect it. Right. You know? I mean, they just expected it. And and to see it happen, we just saw numerous things. Um, and especially there, um, there's such an ex- exercise of, of witchcraft and witch right. doctors. Right. And so to see um, them lose their ability to practice because somebody prayed over them and because somebody said in Jesus' name over them— um, that wasn't uncommon. Right. And so as a young child growing up, seeing that, um, the spiritual realm became very real right. very early on in life. And so um, there's there's conversations I have with some people that, you know, they're so afraid of um, when they hear of, you know, the demonic presence right. or this or that. And I'm like, do you, you not know the power within God's, you? God's like, creator. it is just that real. It is so there and available. Um, but I think for me, it's... Um, I, I'm I'm comfortable with it, and I guess I just believe it so much because, well, a it's true. Right. Um, but to to have seen it at a young age, and to to just know the realness of demon possession is a real thing. Right. People that practice in demonic stuff, it, it's very real. You should not dabble in that. But to see the deliverance of it is also mm-hmm. just so powerful and so real. Um, and my hope is to just really to see young people know the power they have within them. That's cool. We're going to get to that in a minute, what you guys do. But I I do have one other question. I was was raised, my grandparents were pastors, and uh, my parents were pastors. I wanted to be an architect until I found out how much math was involved. Because I'm horrible (laughs) at math. Then I decided I wanted to be uh, an attorney. So after high school, I graduated at 16. And before I went to college, I worked for a year in the court system in Houston. Then I realized how much they had to lie. So like... Hmm. I don't know. And I ended up in ministry, but I didn't always think I was going to be in ministry. Did you? Um, I knew in some aspects, mm-hmm. not that I needed to get credentialed and be a, a licensed anything, um, but I knew some way or some form I'd be connected. How about you, Jeroy? No. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you, had always you started been, as a sports as uh, an athletic trainer, sports trainer. medicine. Yeah. And uh, I knew, you know, I loved doing that in high school, played sports and student trainer. And and I went to East Texas State University, you know, Texas A&M Commerce. I knew my career and what, but God knew what he was doing because he put me in that environment to truly know the secular kid. Right. Which in turn, 
put me in the work of school assemblies right. and all what I working did, with you and, and, and you're yeah. still doing it. We'll get to yeah. that in a second. What I want to put in your mind right now and your spirit, uh, those of you watching that are a part of a church, would you do something kind for your pastor's children, even though they're mm-hmm. adults? So maybe good. a note or a small gift or an encouraging word. Or if there's a missionary that lives nearby you, if you're in a country other than ours, to let them know that you appreciate those kids. Because sometimes as preacher's kids and as missionary kids, we get lost in the mix. Mm-hmm. Very true. And uh, the family called the first family is always giving, giving, mm-hmm. giving. Yes. And rarely, in a lot of instances, do does that family reap benefit, especially the children. So I just encourage you to encourage them and see what happens in their life and in that family. Now, getting back to you guys now involved in ministry, they oversee uh, the the most beautiful, elaborate camp I've ever been to in my life. I mean, I've been to a lot of camps, but this Lakeview camp mm-hmm. is fantastic. 330 acres of beautiful rolling land that can sleep 1,100 people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um and how long have you been there? You direct this camp. We've been there for 10 years. 10 years. I'm the executive director and Kim is the hospitality director. Yeah. And she's really nice. She, <laughs> she really is. She's very hospitable. Yeah, very hospitable. <laughs> Maybe she works some on me. They got it going on. I mean, it's, it's uh, grown so much under your leadership and become more excellent. And so what's neat is you're still involved in young people's lives. Absolutely. I mean, because that's the basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, there's a lot of retreats, adult retreats. Yes. Summer, though, you live kids 24-7. Absolutely. (laughs) So uh, you're still doing uh, what you were doing when I first met you, which is really incredible. You know, and kudos to you guys. I mean, what what blessings that you are to the kingdom of God and you are to this part of the world. And um, how have you sustained? Let let me read the scripture again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So you've been involved working with youth for about 40 years now. Yes. How have you, and you're always hopeful and happy. Both of you, when I see you, I don't, I know that not every day is a perfect good day um, because you have kids and you have life (laughs) and you have each other. I mean, it's just, it's life, but you abound in hope. How have you abounded in hope in working with young people all these years? Even the culture shifted. Absolutely. Right. You know, I, I live by this, by this saying, hope's not reality, hope's not despair, but hope embraces the future. Boom. <laughs> that was <laughs> good. so true. Say that again. Hope's not reality, hope's not despair, but hope embraces the future. Wow. Yeah. And every generation and every culture is looking for hope. They're right. looking for something to believe in. Mm-hmm. I've often said kids are trying on one face after another, trying to find a face of their own. So they're trying and they're searching and they're looking. And what you see in our culture today is is a lot of kids who grew up. And the Word of God says, when I was a child, I thought like a child or reasoned like a child. But when I became a grown person, I put those childish ways behind. To really be a grown person, I believe that he's talking about growing in your faith and growing Mm -hmm. in your spirit. And I believe that we have a lot of 50, 60, 70 year old kids, you know, that never truly grew up <clears throat> spiritually in their life. So they do those childish things. So I think that's why God took me into youth ministry. And, uh, and youth ministry is truly, as you know, as being a former youth pastor, family ministry. Mm-hmm. Because if you reach the kids, you reach right. a youth, you reach a family. And um, 
and going into um, the school system and understanding the secular kid, because when I was a youth pastor, I remember it didn't take me a month to realize, wait a minute, these kids act different in youth service than they right. do whenever I see them in school. Right. And because uh, God gave me the opportunity to know both sides of them. Then I would work the Fellowship Christian Athletes Camp, work North Texas Camp. I always had a heart for games because I know if kids can laugh together and play together, I know they can. I, I remember together. back when you do the beach camps. Yes. The South yeah, Padre Alley. Still do those. Still huh? do those. Yeah, it's the 33rd year. Blessed yeah, are they that Padres. What the <laughs> but I realized, and I still did, that getting into the – Getting to the school of schools and being able to talk to them. I, I, I say I throw the devil curveball. I don't talk about, I don't speak God's name, but I talk about God's principles. Mm-hmm. And I developed that into a camp concept called the Game Day Challenge that I still do. Right. Doing camp games and speaking to the whole schools. And then that converted into the youth ministry and into an evangelistic ministry. And uh, to what we're doing now, the pinnacle of all of that is camps. Mm-hmm. And I really believe camps and retreats are where hearts are changed. More people are one to Christ because of an experience of a camp or right. retreat. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's Definitely. true. Um, young people can look back on their spiritual experience in this culture, and it's usually at a camp. Right. That, mm-hmm. you know, everything else in their life is pushed away for at least a week, and they are asked to focus on God. So that spirituality really breaks through and impacts their life. Yes. And in our culture, I'm not sure what it is in your culture, um, I've heard that every young person needs to have three supernatural encounters with God for it really to stick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it usually happens at a situation like what you guys foster, an intentional time mm-hmm. to have fun, to put down their cell phone because there's not a good cell reception there either. <laughs> and just <laughs> focus better, on each yeah. other. I think that's kind of a plus for that place, though. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. reach the outside world as as easily as you can everywhere else, and those kids really break through and contact God Absolutely. and have some really powerful experiences. So I just want to say thank you for still plugging in, doing the work, having hope for this generation, and offering a wonderful place for young people to grow in God and abounding in being a missionary's kid, a preacher's kid, mm-hmm. raising children. Um, being involved in life and still doing the work of the Lord. So, Joy thank and Kim, you. thank you for what you're doing. Thank, thank you for you. being my friend. Thank you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Always being always, so kind yeah, to me. You're always a friend. Yeah. yeah, well, isn't this hopeful? <laughs> I hope you have friends as good as I do. Uh, these are great friends, they're good people. And thank you so much for joining me today. You, Thanks John. for your thank stories. You. Love you guys and love you and the nations. God loves the nations, He loves you wherever you're at. And he encourages you through his word. Get in the word, memorize his word, speak his word out loud, and live the best hope-filled life God has for you. Thanks for listening to Hope for Today with John Bates. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes wherever you listen. You can connect with John through Facebook, Instagram, and at johnbatesministries.com. Have a blessed day.